Okay, good evening, everybody. A thank you to the Friedman Mishpacha and the Imyak Mishpacha for sponsoring this evening's shir. It is sponsored in honor of a Rafua Shalema for Dr. Imyak's mother, Fege Bas Bracha. Hashem are learning this evening, and the tefillos of the family and the community should serve as a source for Rafua Shalema Bekorov Mamish. I am so burnt out. I'm so done, so run down. We enjoy saying these things to some degree because it's also a badge of honor to let the world know, let my friends know how, uh, how overworked I am, how busy I am, how important I am, how many people need me. But uh, as of June 2019, the uh, World Health Organization upgraded burnout from a state of exhaustion to a real syndrome. There's now officially a syndrome known as burnout, which means that not only are people sick of their jobs or sick of whatever it is they're doing on a uh, daily basis, but it's actually a sickness. It's classified as an illness, and therefore many people with symptoms of burnout will seek professional help. I want to share with you two very important definitions of burnout, uh, just to have on the back burner, no pun intended. The first is, a state of physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion caused by long-term involvement in emotionally demanding situations. Right, so this definition is focusing on the exhaustion that one feels through an emotionally demanding situation. Second definition that's given is a state of fatigue or frustration brought about by devotion to a cause, way of life, or relationship that failed to produce the expected reward. So this definition is focusing more on the disappointment, the, uh, that feeling of an expectation unfulfilled. Anyone can become exhausted. That's fairly easy to do. What's poignant and unique about what we call burnout is that it really has more of an impact on those of us who are committed sincerely to what we're doing. In a sense, and it's counterintuitive, but in a sense, if I was able to go about my work or my life or my relationship with somewhat of a, of a cynical approach, not caring that much, not being as genuine, not being as, as open and authentic, then likely I wouldn't burn out as quickly because I'm not giving it my all. I'm not being as vulnerable. I'm not, I'm not sharing myself with you or with the cause. And therefore, the more sincere, the more devoted we are, the more committed we are to either a person, a concept, or an organization, in a sense, the more uh, we can struggle with the issue of emotional fatigue and burnout. Esav HaRosha, right? We know about Esav as being a very bad, very evil person. And the first encounter we have, getting a glimpse into his personality, 
is where he comes in, and he was tired. He was exhausted. Esav says he sees the delicious stew that his brother's cooking. Right? Give me some of that red stuff. Because I am again ayef. I'm tired. So Yaakov takes the opportunity to say, I would love to do so. You could sell me the Bukhara. We'll make a deal. And Esav's response is, I'm going to die. And therefore, why do I even need the Bukhara? Interesting response. I'm going to die anyway. And therefore, what's the need? What's the purpose of keeping the Bukhara? Take it. It's yours. No problem. Just give me that red stuff. He sits down, he gobbles down the soup, and then he disgraces or he shuns whatever value that Bukhara had in his eyes previously. He basically convinces himself that it's worthless, it has no meaning. Why? Because I'm going to die. Why was he able to say, I'm going to die, and therefore devalue whatever that Bechora actually was or could have been for him? Because, ki oye because I'm exhausted, because I'm tired. So this whole evolution of Esau giving up something so incredibly precious comes from the fact that he was oyef, that he was tired. What does it mean to be tired? I think we're all experts in the field, right? We could all complain about being tired. We've read studies before about how much sleep your average human being actually needs to function, and we're probably a good two or three hours less than that. So we know what it means to be tired in a physical sense. We know what it means to be drained emotionally. But if we look later on in the Torah, where it speaks about the mitzvah of remembering what a Amalek did to Klal Yisrael, we see the exact same phrase used, right? This idea of being ayef, of being tired. And I think from this particular context, we have a deeper insight into what it means in general. The foundation, the, the essence of ayefus. Pasuk says at the end of Pasha's Kitzaytzeh, that remember what Amalek did to you, Asher Karcha Baderech, that he confronted you on the way as you were leaving Mitzrayim. Kol Shalim Acherecha, all of the weak ones in the back of the camp. Va'ata Ayev V'yageya, and you, the Jewish people, you were Ayev, you were exhausted, right? You were, you were um, worn out. V'lo Yore Elokim, and according to many, this last phrase, the Pasuk means, and therefore you did not have the proper reverence of Hashem. This is how the Orachim understands this Pasuk. You were worn out, and therefore in that state of mind you were not able to have real Yirashemayim. Listen to the way the Orachim explains that word Ayef. Ayef Adayin Mishibud Mitzrayim. We were still exhausted, we were still tired from the subjugation in Egypt. 
V'yageya mitorach haderach. And the word yageya means from the, the, the journey, right? the schlep, the hassle of traveling. But ayef means we were exhausted because the shibud mitzrayim, our slavery in Egypt. At this point in time, historically speaking, as we're leaving Mitzrayim, how long ago were we actually avodim in Mitzrayim? Was it that we were in, you know, doing back-breaking labor and going through all of the, uh, the torture and, and the, the inhumane treatment of slaves, and then just suddenly, with the snap of the fingers, we were able to leave Mitzrayim? That's not what happened. There was a long time from the point where there was no longer officially a Shebud. We were not enslaved to Egypt. And rather we were standing on the sidelines watching this incredible year worth of Nisim, worth of the, uh, the ten plagues. Then the build-up to the uh, Makos Bechoros, all of the Nisim as we were leaving Mitzrayim. And then finally, as we're on our way... So we encounter a Amalek, the nation that's main focus is somehow to fight against the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and therefore to fight against the Jewish people who represent Hashem in this world. But the Orachayim is saying the reason why they were able to attack us is because we were ayef, we were exhausted from the Shibut Mitzrayim that took place more than a year ago. So clearly it doesn't mean we were physically exhausted. Rather, it's defining the psychological state of the Jewish people. Even though we were so far past that particular horrific experience, but somehow that took a toll on our, our neshama. The psyche of every human being walking out of Mitzrayim, even though there is a sense of pride and a sense of excitement, Deep down, they were ayef, they were so tired, they were burnt out from everything they've been through. You know, you speak to a Holocaust survivor, and it could be many, many years since they went through the, the tortures and the agony of going through wherever they were in the camps, working terrible, terrible onshim they had to experience. And now they have a family, able to rebuild their lives. They have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They're not tired from the work, but it's always there. It's always part of them. And it's not uncommon, tragically, that you'll have people in their 80s and 90s who are still waking up almost every night screaming, right? The nightmares that plague them. Because psychologically, I'm ayef. I've been burnt out from that, that part of my life. The Jewish people were ayef, they were in that state of mind. That's why they were susceptible to the attack of Amalek. When Esav comes in, explains the Samderech, Reb Simcha Brody, when Esav comes in and he's exhausted, it doesn't just mean it was a long day of hunting. Or according to Midrashic sources, he was involved with all sorts of terrible things that particular day. But it means he was burnt out of life. He was burnt out of the routine. He was done, and therefore he said, I'm going to die anyway. This whole thing is worthless. Life has no real purpose. 
You want the Bukhara, Yaakov? Take the Bukhara. Just give me the soup. I'm finished. I'm burnt out. The way that Rav Simcha Brody explains this midah of, of being tired, he says that Ayefus nafshis, spiritual exhaustion, in the case of Esau, it sounds like from many different chazal, many different sources, he didn't fully go off the derech, so to speak, until he experienced this real burnout. Once he was done with life, once he was disenchanted, once he was disappointed, once all of the expectations he had were unfulfilled, only at that point did he go let Tarbus Ra and begin his, his legacy of evil. That led him to his downward cycle, that led him to spiritual devastation. It wasn't just because he was an evil man. He did evil things because he was burned out. The Chovos Levavos paints a picture for us of what this may look like in our own lives. There have been a Bechaya going back almost a thousand years ago. He says, often a human being can get to the point where we're checked out. We're going through the routine, through the motions of life, but I'm not really present. I'm not really engaged. I'm occupied, I'm busy, but I'm not really here. Yishmu v'lo yazinu. I could be hearing things, but I'm not listening. Bikshu menuchos. We could constantly want more comfort, but inevitably what happens? V'naflu ba'nachos. We keep on having a sense of disappointment and regret, and everything we get doesn't quite fill the need for what I was really looking for. We're always trying to live the good life. But instead, somehow, we have to deal with terrible challenges all the time from all different directions. And here he uses the exact same word. The neshama, not the guf, not the body. But the soul of a human being becomes ayef, becomes tired and exhausted and burnt out. And they lose their chuka, they lose their enthusiasm, they lose their zest for life. They try to build big homes to feel accomplished. They try to have plaques on buildings to have a sense of immorality, immortality. They try to do things that, that will ensure that their legacy will live on even when they're no longer here. But he says in a very harsh, very powerful line, what ends up happening to most of us is, kover kol ish mehem We end up burying other people. We live through simchas, but then we live through tragedies. Shocheach kitzo, we forget about the fact that we're not going to be here forever. Vizocher me'oyev, and the only thing that I could think about, the only thing that's on my mind is what I'm lacking, what I really need what she has that I don't, his position that I'm still working for and I deserve more than he does, and therefore, we're oyef, we're just exhausted, 
we're done, we're burnt out. What I'd like to address briefly is what is the cause of burnout? What leads to those feelings of, of boredom, of emotional fatigue, to the point where, according to the Sam Derech, that was the pivotal moment in Esau's life. When he had Ayefos, when he was burnt out, then he was able to do anything and everything. And I think we've all been there before. Right? We've all had those times where there are so many things that are bothering me, so many issues that may be annoying me. I'm feeling a, a lack of love. I'm feeling a lack of, of value. And therefore, when something happens, if it's at work, if it's at school with a friend, if it's with a spouse, it's not just the fact that you said something that I feel is insensitive, but you're, you're, you're awakening within me all of the other trauma that's going on in my life. And if I allow myself to respond to you when I'm ayef, when I'm exhausted, likely I'm going to end up saying something or doing something that I will regret later. One of the greatest tachbulos, one of the greatest practical strategies of how to deal with burnout is to validate ourselves that, yes, it's normal. We're going to see momentarily that even great people experience this. But at least to, to have that, that little voice in the back of my head telling me, just don't mess it up. You know you're not who you want to be right now. Just leave that conversation and come back to it later. But what is the cause of burnout? I want to read to you something from Leo Tolstoy. This is a small essay he wrote called A Confession. And this is going back to 1884. He was 51 at the time, after already being a world-renowned you know, author, respected by his peers, admired by the masses. But he found himself going through somewhat of a midlife crisis. So he writes in this essay that I want to share with you an ancient um, fable that's been told now for hundreds of years of a traveler overtaken on a plane by an enraged beast. Escaping from the beast, he gets into a dry well, but sees at the bottom of the well a dragon that has opened its jaws to swallow him. And the unfortunate man, not daring to climb out, lest he be destroyed by the enraged beast, and not daring to leap to the bottom of the well, lest he be eaten by the dragon, he grabs onto a twig growing in a crack in the well and clings onto it for dear life. His hands are growing weaker, and he feels he will soon have to resign himself to the destruction that awaits him above or below, but he still clings on. Then he sees two mice, a black one and a white one, going around and round the stem of the twig to which he is clinging on and gnawing at it. And soon the twig itself will snap and he will fall into the dragon's jaws. The traveler sees this and he knows that he will inevitably perish. But, well, hanging on, he looks around and he sees some drops of honey on the leaves of the twig. He reaches towards them with his tongue and licks those tiny drops of honey. Says Leo Tolstoy, 
So too I cling to the twig of life, knowing that the dragon of death was inevitably waiting to me, waiting to get me, ready to tear me to pieces. And I cannot understand why I had fallen into such torment. I tried to lick the honey which formerly consoled me, but the honey no longer gave me pleasure. And the white and black mice of day and night gnawed at the branch by which I hung. I saw the dragon clearly, and the honey no longer tasted sweet. I only saw the unescapable dragon and the mice, and I could not tear my gaze away from them. Pretty intense fable. Right? Imagine hanging on to that twig. Losing the, uh, the fear for a moment as you try to lick the drops of honey, which perhaps earlier on in life or in a different circumstance was enough to give me some level of comfort, to console me from that, that fear of mortality. But at some point, every human being comes to this recognition that it's just a matter of time until those mice gnaw away at the twig and I fall down. I want to share with us some practical areas of burnout and, uh, and a strategy for how to deal with it. Speaking to yeshiva boys who are in early base medrash between 18 and 22, 23. So on one hand, some would look at them and say they are so fortunate to have the whole day to be able to be osek b'torah to be learning with, with diligence, with hasmada, to have connection to great rebbeim they could ask questions to and grow from. And that's 100% true. It is the greatest bracha in the world. But with every bracha, it has its own challenges. Because you have a routine, a morning seder, lunch at this particular time, mincha, musr seder, afternoon seder, this vad, night seder. It's all good, but it's all the same. And it continues on end. You have kids who are going through school. I was speaking to one of my kids recently who was complaining about school, surprisingly. And I said, listen, right now you're in the sixth grade. So that means just like, you know, five more years of torture. Not a big deal, right? But every day, math, science, social studies, review, it gets to be tedious. As we get older, we have different issues that come up on a daily basis. Shopping, cleaning the house, uh, washing the clothes, folding them, trying to have the children help out and dealing with the uh, disappointment of them not actually doing so. No longer a shocking disappointment, but uh, it's a hassle. And so much of what we do has no cum, it has no lasting impact. You see, when you're able to build a dresser, you, know, you, you get some wood at, at Home Depot. My son Menachem wanted to build a birdhouse. So uh, foolishly, I did not consult with Rabbi Wilkatch before I went to Home Depot. And I went, I figured, what's the big deal? You know, we'll buy some wood and we'll just hammer it together and make a nice little birdhouse and, and it'll be fun. Right? Father and son bonding. I could teach him how to use a hammer. So we come back and Really, we accomplished nothing. It was the wrong wood. It was the wrong size. The nails couldn't fit. It was a disaster. 
But when you build something tangible, at least there's some level of satisfaction. Most of our daily chores and responsibilities, they last for a moment until the house is dirty again. Right? I, I could be making supper for the family, but then they eat it. And then we just have dirty dishes. So, so much of what we're being osik in every second of our lives, we can't point to it 30 seconds later. We work hard, we accomplish something, it's not really appreciated, and then it's gone, and now we're on to the next thing or the same thing over and over again. And that's true in the Vodas Hashem as well. We have a routine, we have a schedule, we have davening. Shachris Minchad Mariv, Tachnun. Monday, Thursday, Tachnun. Somebody quoted to me from the, uh, the Sad Merav. He said, if a non-Jew would only appreciate the, the gishmak, the pleasure of having a bris on a Monday or Thursday, they would convert in a second. <laughs> nah. And then children. Children are the biggest blessings in the world. But there's homework. And when you're finally done studying for this test, they have another test. And there's siblings that are fighting, and their tuitions, and their social uh, interactions in school, and teachers, and complaining. And then as we get older, there are doctor's appointments, and there are medications to keep track of. And there are fear and anxiety for ourselves and for the ones we love the most. We get to a point where when we were younger, we were thirsting and, and, and just the yearning for independence. And then we get to a point not that long afterwards where we're losing independence and we have to fight for it until we finally give in to our children or to our friends. And we make the responsible decision, I'm no longer going to drive. So burnout is something that's very real in every aspect of life. Shlomo HaMelech shares with us two very disturbing ideas, disturbing on the surface. And Lahabdil Elif Abdallah, not to compare to what Tolstoy was going through in his own existential uh, journey, but Shlomo HaMalach writes in Kohelis, V'sanei achayim, I hated life, because everything that's happening under the sun in this world is a ra'elai, it's evil in my eyes. Kiakol hevel, the famous expression, everything is futile, everything is worthless, rus ruach, just the blowing of the wind. Later on in Kohelis, he says, echoing these thoughts, V'shabeyach amesim, I praise those who are dead. Shikavar mesu, they're already gone. More so than those sad, lonely, suffering human beings who are still alive. But what's even better than both of them? What's a better state than no longer being here or still being here? Are those people or those in the Shamos that were never brought into this world? And they never had to experience the evil that takes place under the sun. So reading this superficially, obviously reading any part of Kohelis superficially is a bad idea, because that could lead us to a very warped understanding of the wisdom and the depth and the, the Torah of Shlomo HaMelech. 
But, but what, do, what do we do with these psukim? What do we do with the fact that Shlomo HaMelech, the, the human being that Hashem said explicitly, I love you, you did ya. How is he saying, Senesi es achayim, I hate life? So the Mitsudas David, one of the great commentaries on the uh, on Tanakh, he says there's one key phrase, and we know this comes up all throughout Kohelis, but just to understand what it means and the significance of what it means. Shlomo HaMelech says, Senesius Achaim, I hate life and all of the evil and all of the, the worthless pursuits that take place where? Tachas Hashemish, underneath the sun. Better people should never have been alive. Where? Tachas Hashemish, underneath the sun, explains the Metsudas David. Shlomo HaMelech is not grouping all of humanity together. But he's saying, he's expressing his powerful and penetrating insight into the purpose and, and the pleasure of life, which is, if we're living in a reality that's tachas hashemish, that's all about this world, that's focused on success, on accomplishment, on productivity, on, on external validation, on any of the things that we work for throughout school, throughout our career. So then Shlomo Melech says, I pity you. Better you were never born because a life in the rat race is not worth living. And it's not just the people in corporate America fighting for the position to be a partner. It's all of us in our own lives if we're too focused on the, the tangible accomplishments the, the illusion of success, then we're never going to be happy. Then we'll be able to say, I hate this life. This is so not worth it. If somehow we could transcend above the Shemesh, get out of the, the confines and the limitations and the illusion of this world, and really live with the clarity of Nitzchius, of eternity, really feel that relationship with Hashem, really focus on what's important, we would never say, We say, Hashem, I love you so much. Thank you for this incredible opportunity every moment of life. When we live above the Shemesh, when we can transcend the physical limitations, that's the greatest joy in the world. What led to the exhaustion, the emotional fatigue of Esau? Explains the Mitsudas David. And there's a cryptic chazal that say, it's a Gemara in Basra, that on the day that Esav came in and said, Hine anochi holich lomos, I'm about to die. He didn't mean I'm about to die this second. But rather, uh, we're all mortal. I'm not going to be here for that long. And therefore, lama zedli bechora, why do I need this particular spiritual benefit? And that day he was kofer betechias hamesim. He denied the tenant of belief that the neshama lives forever. That even once a human being leaves this world, that neshama is still radiant, is still alive, and will return in some capacity in the future. Esav denied that reality. Listen to the words of the Metsudas David. This is the Malbim, rather. Source number eight. 
He is explaining the, the mindset of Esav. Hello, Bechore, he dover shalayim sa'adam imenu shum hana ba'olam hazeh. We don't have time to, to elaborate what the Bechore was, what it represented, why was it so valuable. But Esav knew that in this world, it's not going to make that much of a difference. It's a spiritual thing. Only in the next world, only in, in the Nitzchias, the eternity of the Neshama, there supposedly, that's where it comes into play, that's where it could have some form of, of ramification on who I am. However, explains the Malbim, Esav's philosophy was, Ani, Eini, Mamin, Bolam, Haboklal. I don't believe in the eternity of the Neshama. I don't believe that there's anything past this world, more than what we could see, more than what we could feel. He didn't believe in the nitzchias of the everlasting nature of the neshama. And therefore he said, Vidaiti, my opinion, is she'elech lemovis, I'm going to die anyway, v'lo od bolam haba, and unlike what you're preaching, Yaakov, I'm not going to live in the next world. When a person passes away, it's game over. The screen goes black, and that's it. That's it. That's what Chazal mean, that he was kofer b'techiyas emesim. He denied the eternity of the neshama. That's why, explains the Malbim, he was so exhausted. Because as soon as you give up on the belief that there's more to this world than meets the eye, as soon as I convince myself that what I do has no real long-term eternal significance, that means I'm living tachas Hashemish. I'm living in the confines of this world, and anything that's, that's ruchnius, anything that's spiritual, those don't mean anything. You're making up stuff. I'm not going to be Moser Nefesh, I'm not going to live or give my life for that cause. Because Esav was so focused on this world, Halitaini no, he said, just pour the thing down my throat. That was an expression, that was a glimpse into his whole mahus, into his essence. He was the epitome of someone living for this world. And that's why he was so exhausted, because no matter what he ever received in life, and he had a lot, he received the bracha. But it meant nothing to him because Tachas Hashemish, Sanesiyasachayim, I hate this life because I'm never fulfilled, I'm never satisfied, I'm never content. So, what does that mean for us? Practically speaking, if we want to somehow combat the emotional fatigue and all of the different examples that are applicable to us, with the, the continuity of life, family, work, cleaning, washing. The answer is we have to live we have to live above this world. And I want to share with you one line that I think is very helpful to make this idea more, more practical. It's the balance, the balance that's needed to combat emotional fatigue is to be very goal-oriented without focusing on the results. Which sounds like a complete oxymoron. <laughs> right? <laughs> to be very goal-oriented without focusing on the results. 
I was speaking to someone who he's involved with amazing chasadim. He's creative, he's generous, he gives up every second of his life to be helpful in, in many different ways to many different people. He's involved with the elderly. And he'll do things that, that most of us would, would shy away from. We'd be very hesitant. But if there's a need, and it's not just if he hears about the need, but he makes sure to be there to assess or even to discover the need of that person before they themselves are aware of it. But he shared with me that he is so exhausted and he's so burnt out. Right? So the answer is not as simple as as long as you're doing mitzvot and chesed, then you'll never get burnt out. It's only when you're living a life of Esau in the extreme of living to get a new car and a new house, and then, then you'll be burnt out. That's not true. You could be doing the greatest chasadim. You could be saving lives, but you could still feel burnout. Why would I feel burnout if I'm accomplishing, if I'm transforming people, if I'm bringing simcha? Because I'm too focused on the result, but not enough on the goal of what I'm doing. And I want to explain that cryptic line. Yeshaya Hanavi, we know, gave every breath to Kalal Yisrael. And he was trying to preach, trying to teach, trying to inspire tshuva amongst the nation to somehow avoid the eventual destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. When he saw, though, that all of his life's work was really not creating this dam to hold back the mighty river of idolatry that was leading to the end, he felt a real sense of despair. In Yeshaya, he says about himself, V'ani amarti, that I turned towards Hashem, and I said... Lorik Yegati, I've toiled for nothing, for emptiness. Lesohu vehevel kochi chalisi. I have I have exerted all of my my efforts, all of my koach, for nothing. Meaning to say, the Radak explains that lo shavu Yisrael betshuva. They're not listening to me. They're not accepting my, 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 my chizik. They're not accepting my, my critique. And therefore, Lerik Yagati, I've been working so hard for nothing. This is the, 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 the level of despair that Yeshaya Hanavi was expressing intimately to Hashem. What was Hashem's answer back to address the emotional fatigue or the burnout? of Yeshaya Hanavi. And he wasn't burnt out because he was just trying to uh, get more money and trying to make a name for himself. Every moment of his life, every waking hour, he was just trying to, to bring Klal Yisrael back to Tshuva. So what did Hashem say to address his burnout? Hashem answers back, Vayomer, nokel miyosicha li'evin, is it a small thing to be an evid of Hashem? Are you taking it lightly that, that you're fulfilling my will? 
The Radak elaborates, and what was Hashem's response? Is that a claim the kite? Is that a small thing to be my Evid? It's true, they're not listening to you. And many of them are mamish ignoring you. And some of them are making fun of you. And they're writing articles about you. And they're, and they're commenting on your, on your things. And they're making fun of you. It should be die, it should be sufficient that you're doing my shlichus, that you're following my instructions, you're doing the Ratzon Hashem. The message that Hashem was sharing with Yeshaya was you're focused too much on the results. Not enough on the goal. What's the goal of everything we do? The goal of anything and everything we do is, I'm trying to do the Ratzon Hashem. What does that look like? Well, if I'm a mommy, part of the Ratzon Hashem is, you know, whatever the uh, arrangement is with the husband, but if I'm making dinner, that's the Ratzon Hashem. If the kids don't like the dinner, or they don't show up for dinner. And now all I have is leftovers that nobody's eating, and they're complaining about the leftovers. So that's the result. That, that's not my cheshbin. Okay, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. But that reflects nothing on me. I have to go to work. I see the same people every day. And, and, and this one particular guy in the cubby next to me, he's always super annoying. And I try to get the message across in a sensitive way, but he just doesn't get it. Okay. Bring it back. What am I supposed to be doing right now? Right? If it's issues with children, if it's, if it's financial stress, if there are medical agmas nefesh things that are going on in my life, it's not about, will this work? What will come from my efforts? Of course, it's so hard not to think about that because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure I could be there for my family. I'm trying to be there for my children, for my husband, for my friend. I'm trying to change the world. I'm trying to inspire. But let's say nobody cares what you have to say. Let's say your opinion falls on deaf ears. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would tell us, okay, you know, the truth is, that really doesn't matter. Lo alecha melacha ligmor. That's not your job to change the world. Your job is to do the Ratzon Hashem. It's something that's so incredibly simple, hashkafically, but if we could really work on internalizing this paradigm shift, we would be so much happier. We'd be able to address the burnout because I might be doing the same thing over and over and over again, but it's never the same thing because although I'm trying to clean the house, the goal of cleaning the house is not to have a clean house. Some women are thinking, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Right? <laughs> I think you're taking it a little bit too far over here. <laughs> but the goal of cleaning the house is not to have a clean house. The goal of cleaning the house is because I want to do the Ratzon Hashem. And I feel that to create a, a, a healthy, fun, um, organized environment is the way to do that. 
if sometimes I can't accomplish that, because right now the Ratzon Hashem is for me to be doing something else, and I have no control over the fact that five other things are happening at the same time that makes a mess that I just cleaned up previously, with this perspective, it's still annoying, it's still frustrating, but it doesn't, it doesn't create that, that taina. It doesn't create that expression of, Lerikyagati, why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Because I was doing the Ratzon Hashem. I was being Mekayim a mitzvah. Right? Why'd I change the diaper? Because it was dirty. But, but she just went to the bathroom again. Okay, now this is another mitzvah. Every step, looking at what my hishtadlus is, v'ata Yisrael, and this line is, is, is so incredibly crucial. Right now, what does Hashem want me to do? And that's all I have. With this in mind, I think in Ritz Hashem, amongst other very practical ideas like getting more sleep and exercising and eating right and all of the things we could Google, right? Ten ways to address burnout. But I think more than anything is the hashkafa, is the paradigm shift. It's not so much about the results. It's a focus on the goal. And the goal is doing, what does Hashem want from me right now?